Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Don't Drink the Kool-Aid. And uh, Kool-Aid's referring to something that's poisonous in our culture. And we're looking at five different things, five lessons. They all stand alone. And lesson one, if you weren't with us, uh, Pastor Joe Jr., he taught we disagree so we have to disconnect or cancel culture. He did a great job. Last week, I taught the Bible is dangerous and accurate and contradicts itself. That's Kool-Aid of our culture, of course. And I had so many comments in the lobby. Here was one of the main comments after that lesson. I did not know you could prove intellectually that the Bible's supernatural. But we were able to do it. And uh, so if you weren't here, it's something you'll love, something that you'll want to send to people that you know. Here's the Kool-Aid we want to talk about today. And this is part of the culture we live in, and it goes like this. The goal of my life is self-fulfillment. And this is a cultural Kool-Aid. In other words, I just want to do everything I want to do. And I'm not saying it's necessarily evil. It's not evil, but it's limiting. It will limit you. Some of the things in your heart God placed in there, they're what you need to do, but there's so many things in there that they're so limiting, and God has so much more for you to do, and we want to talk about how to expand it, right? Uh, Here's the problem with self-fulfillment. The problem with self-fulfillment is all you get is yourself, and we want to go further than ourselves, right, guys? It's just there's so much more in life, and God has so many big things planned for each and every one of you. So if you were to ask me, how does this come out? How does this How is this glass of Kool-Aid poured? I'd say two ways. Here's one. Ready? Just live your best life. And your best life is cool if it's part of what God wants you to live. So you don't want to just live your best life. You want to expand it, right? You want to go further. And here's another way it's said. Become the best version of you. And that's not evil. Can you see? That's not evil, but it's limiting again. So let's talk about becoming the best version of us because that's partially true, isn't it? I mean, don't you want to be as good as you can be? Don't you want to give 100% to everything you do? So from that perspective, it's great. And I just want to take a moment. I want to encourage everybody listening. Do not compare yourself and what you're able to do with other people because it will depress you right? Myself included. It depresses us, or it will make us feel really great, because there's always, we're always doing more than someone, and then there's always someone doing more than us, and we see it in athletics. Those of you that like sports, there are what we call genetic freaks out there, right? And uh, no matter how hard you work, they don't even have to work as hard as you, and they're going to they're gonna just be able to do it better, right? And then there are spiritually genetic freaks that are out there, right? And they just are more gifted. Jesus talked about this. Jesus said in the parable of the talents, he said there are some people that have one talent given to them. Some have two, some have five. And he was just trying to keep his sermon short. He could have said some have three, some have six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The idea is we're all gifted differently, and we, we do want to try to be the best we can be. So when I think about what I do, there are some spiritually genetic freaks out there, right? And I think of T.D. Jakes. I mean, every word he says, every sentence you want to get up and go, yeah, man. It's just like, woo! It's like electricity goes through, you know, when he makes a statement. 
And if I look at him, I'll be depressed for years, right? And, and then there's Stephen Furtick, another guy. It's just, phew, he lights them up. And, and so I, I have to realize God gave them some talents I don't have, but I do need to be the best that I can be, right? And you need to be the best that you can be. But we want to make sure we don't take it like the world does. And it's just like, you just become the best version of you. And what's excluded? God's excluded. And God has some plans for us that are absolutely amazing. I like to say it this way. The best version of you is God's planned version of you. That's the best version of you. It's what God planned for you to do. And I'll help you understand that. Many of you do. Many of you know these things. And I want to take us to the next level and and do my best. I thought this was interesting. It won't come up on the screen, but 75% of those under 40 want to be YouTubers. I thought that was interesting. What a YouTuber is is someone that has a YouTube channel. And uh, that's a big percentage, right? And of course, to be a YouTuber, if you're gonna be successful, you have to get up there like 100,000, 200,000. There's people that have millions of people that watch them each week. That's absolutely amazing. If, if you're older and you've never been on YouTube, you can watch it on your TV. You can get lost there for days. I mean, there's anything you want to know about, there's somebody that has a channel, and, and you can learn a lot. It's, it, you just will forget to watch your TV because, or your you know, regular TV because it can be that good. But uh, I also thought this was interesting. 50% of all teenagers want to become celebrities. And I'm not picking on young people and teenagers because I wanted to be a celebrity when I was young too, right? So again, that, that is not evil, but I do want to say to you, that God has some things planned for you. If you hook up with what God has planned for you, it's going to be absolutely the most enjoyable and amazing thing you have ever done. So I have a big idea for this lesson, and here's how my big idea goes. Uh, In order for you to figure out what God wants you to, to do, you have to lose yourself to find yourself. And we're gonna talk about what it means to lose ourself so we can find ourselves, But this is what we're going to have to do if we're going to have to become, or we're going to become everything God created us to be. And you might wonder, what does it mean to lose myself so that I can find myself? Jesus talked about it. And here's what Jesus said. He said this in Luke 9, 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. These are strong words, right? And I want to come back to that, and I want to help you understand it. But can you agree when Jesus talked about following him, and he talked about the gospel, it wasn't like a late-night infomercial. For three small payments of $29.95, you can be a good Christian. Just call the 1-800 number on the screen. Now, Jesus, man, he was serious, And let's take a look at what he's saying, and let's make sure we understand it. This is for Christians that want to be his disciple. And he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Saving your life just simply means this. You want to hold on to the steering wheel of your life. You want to be in control. You want self-fulfillment. I just want to do what I want to do. And, and, And he says, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. He doesn't mean you'll die. He doesn't mean you'll go to hell. Here's all he means, is what he created you to do, you you will not do all those things, and you're never going to be able to live the life that God created you to live. But he goes on to say this, he says, but whoever loses their life 
for me will save it. And so losing your life is when you just say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to take my hands off the steering wheel, and I'm going to give you complete control. And then he says you're going to end up saving your life. And this is an issue about you and I letting go and giving God the control of our life. Uh, a message you've heard me teach at different times here at Believers. Um, I, I, have a, I have an Equinox, and I was driving someone else's that was a year newer. And uh, for some reason we switched, I can't remember why. But uh, I thought I'd test it because they had something on theirs that I don't have on mine. And it's that feature where if your vehicle sways, the car, the wheel literally brings you back to the center. So if you start going left of center, it brings you back. If you go right of center, it brings you back. So I thought, I want to test this. And I was on the turnpike going about 72, 73 miles an hour. And there were no cars in front, none behind, right? And, and it's separated from the other direction. So I made sure no one was around. But I took my hands off the wheel, kept my eyes open. But... I was ready. I was ready. But I stayed straight for a while. I didn't know if you knew that, but I stayed straight for a while. And then it began to sway left, and that wheel literally just brought me back to the center. It was crazy. And then it wanted to go to the right, and then it, it, just, it just, you see the steering wheel turn. It just brings you back. And I thought, wow, that is absolutely amazing. It just kept me right on track. And you and I might be afraid to take our hands off the wheel because we think, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm not sure where this is going to go. And I want to say to you, God is way better than that, that, whatever that device is on a vehicle's, guys. He will put you on a track, and you'll never crash. You'll never, ever hurt your life. And when I think about letting go of my life, I think about when I was a young Christian, I had some strong fears about letting go. And my fear had to do with what would God have me do with my life? And I just felt like he's going to make me do something I hate. And one of the things I thought God would do with me is send me to the jungles of the Amazon and, and make me a missionary in the Amazon. So listen, I, have, I, would, I love the people that live down there, and I wouldn't mind being a missionary. That was fine. I hate jungles. And uh, I hate the heat of a jungle. Um, I am deathly afraid of snakes. And I'm deathly afraid of spiders, and their snakes and spiders are bigger down there, right? Little spiders here, I'm okay. I just crush them real quick. But I just think of those big ones, you know? And I just thought, if I let go, that's where God's going to send me. And, and I just had this fear. But you know what I learned? God, wherever, whatever he has you do for him, wherever he sends you, and not all of us will be five-fold ministers, but it's in any area of our life when we let go, you're going to love it. And I remember years later, I ran into some missionaries, who were in the Amazon, and I said, man, thank you. I can't believe, uh, thank you for sacrificing your life. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. They said, we love it there. I go, you love it? They go, yeah, we love living in the jungle. We have this little hut. They said, some mornings we walk out, and some mornings monkeys throw coconuts at us. And I, I'd be like, I'd want to shoot those monkeys. They go, now that's breakfast, man. You don't want to shoot them. That's breakfast. And uh, then they told me a snake incident where the wife got the machete and cut the, killed the snake, just cut the head off the snake. And I thought I would run screaming and jump in a car and call 911. I don't think you can do that down there, but I, I'd wait for Gina to take care of that snake, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I'm afraid of snakes. So um, they told me, here's what they said. They said, we love it there. And I thought, wow. But you know, 
when I let go of the wheel, before I let go of the steering wheel in my life, I was heading to Southern California to take over my uncle's business. And I was so excited about living in the sunshine and all of that, you know, the whole life and a business and prosperity and all that. And I was a Christian. And, and, and then I remember I let go of the will, and God all of a sudden, and I'll show you how it happens, he, he, he put a desire in me that, and a longing that I had to go to Bible school. And it didn't even bother me because I, 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 it was something I wanted to do anyway. And so it, it, he never has you do anything you don't enjoy. I, I love pastoring. This has been so fun. It's been a 38-year ride so far, and it's been amazing. And so whatever he has you do, you're going to love. And of course, anything he has you do, he'll add it to what you do do. And here's a good thought, guys. You ready? What if the fulfillment you're looking for won't come from what you seek? but from what you sacrifice. And that's really where true fulfillment comes from. That's really where significance comes from. And I have some things I need to speak to some of you, and you probably hear me say it a couple times. But I want to say to the young people here, um, I believe the young people living today are the most gifted and the most called of God generation ever because we're living in the last days. And I want to say to you, young people, God has gifted you. I, I believe you're going to do things that my generation dreamed about happening. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to let go of that will. But then how about for others like myself and others, whatever age you are, sometimes we let go of the will and we're doing what God wants. But, but then while we're doing what God wants, we kind of grab control again to do what God wants us to do. And, and, and I think throughout our whole life, I can tell you, we have to. We have to keep taking our hands off the wheel. And uh, God, God still has things he's created for you to do, right? And so we want to take our hands off the wheel. And I want to just speak to some of you. God's not finished with you yet. And I want to encourage you to listen as we go. You have to lose yourself to find yourself. And this is something we keep doing. So what do we do to lose ourselves so we can find ourselves? Here, here it is, guys. Here it is. There is one thing we must understand and two things we must do in order to lose ourselves so we can find ourselves. And this is really cool. And if you've been coming to Believers any length of time, two or three times a year, I like to talk about this one thing we must understand. And it's life-changing. Let me say this to you. When I taught this 10 years ago, I hadn't I did not understand it like I do now. When I taught it 20 years ago, I did not understand. God's making it so real to me. It's so powerful. And we want to talk about this one thing we have to understand. If you were to ask me, hey, here's a new Christian. What do you want to get in them? What should I get in them? One of the first things would be I want them to understand who they are in Christ, right? They're the, who, what Jesus did when they accepted him. But right up there with it is I want to know, I want them to know this one thing this one revelation concerning their life. And that's what we're going to talk about. Some of you know it, so I'm going to encourage you, don't allow it to be white noise because God will keep opening your eyes up to it. So here, here's the one thing. God decided your purpose before you were born. That's big. And again, I keep understanding it more and more, and God becomes bigger and bigger and greater in my eyes. But God always existed you say, I can't figure that out. Well, I wouldn't follow a God that I could figure out, I'll tell you right now. So he always existed, right? He always existed. And he's the one that created time. So in the beginning is when he created time. 
The universe is like God's timepiece, and so the earth going around the sun and all the universe moving, that's the timepiece that God created, but that didn't exist until he made it. And listen, this is what's really cool. God stands outside of time. He stands above time. He's God, and that's why God knows the beginning all the way to the end. Can't comprehend it fully here. I can intellectually say he stands outside of time. But what we talked about last week, 300-plus prophecies about Jesus, some of them 400 years before he was born, some 700, some thousands, uh, prophecies that he would come, how he would come, how he would be born. You can't do that unless you stand above time. And then God can manipulate things to happen. He's God. It's absolutely amazing. And so you and I want to understand there's a big God who can see the beginning to the end, but he also cares about us little people, and he also cares about you. And before you were born, he had a plan for you, and that plan still stands. It's still there, and it doesn't, it doesn't end. It's not like, well, I'm retired now. The book's finished. No, he's got things for you to do in retirement too, guys, for his kingdom. So I want to share some scriptures with you. Here's my first one, Galatians 1.15. But even before I was born, the apostle Paul's writing this, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. It's not just true with Paul. It's true with every Christian. It's true with all of you. Before we were born, God chose us. Isn't that pretty cool? He chose you, and then he called you. Your calling is what he created you to do, the assignments he gave you to do on planet Earth. So before you were born, he chose you, and he called you. That's absolutely amazing. That's like, whoa, I'm very significant. Before I was born, God picked me out. Before I was born, God gave me purpose. He gave me a call. Here's another way to say it. Uh, And before I read it, this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a teenager, so I say this again for all the young people. He was a teenager. And God came to him and God said, I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. Old Testament prophets were big deals. They were amazing people. And he said, I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. And that meant he had to go to kings and say, thus saith the Lord. Here's what God said. He had to go to the king of Israel, the king of Judah, other kings. And he said to God, no way, I'm not qualified and I am too young. Give me a couple more decades and let me put some experience under my belt. And so we're going to read now where God begins to say to him, oh, no, no, no. All you need is my calling. All you need is what I decided I wanted you to do. I will grace you to do it. And here's what God said to him. This is what encouraged him. This is what gives me hope. Before I shaped you in the womb, that's, that's a lesson in itself. Before I shaped you in your, the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the late light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations That's what I had in mind for you. And we don't want to get lost on that last part because he has holy plans for all of us. And what I want you to see is God has holy plans for us. And before you were born, he decided what those plans were. So how significant are you? You're really, really significant. Before you were born, God created a plan for your life. And that's the plan 
when you are into self-fulfillment, just being the best you, living your best life. That's all good, guys, but let's expand it. Let's figure out what's that plan. What did God create me to do on this earth? Some of it might be secular, uh, or your secular life might never change. He might say, yeah, that's what I wanted you to do, but then he's going to add other plans, and it's just absolutely amazing. Here's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and it's Psalm 139, verse 16. It's a great psalm. But with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, and I love the way they bring the Hebrew out. Contemporary English version on this one just does a great job. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. There's a book in heaven with your name on it, and God wrote what he created you to do. We want to lose ourselves so we can find out what's in that book. What's in that? That book is a big deal. What did God write that he wants me to do? And I want to make sure none of us go weird, okay? So don't wake up tomorrow, go to your closet and say, God, what outfit did you write in your book that I'm supposed to do today? That's weird. Okay, that's weird. Don't do that. It's just these plans he has, the, the, the assignments, the purposes, And for a guy like me, I'm already, I know I'm where he wants me, but he may want me to do something different, like, you know, add this program, do this, shift to this direction. And so I have to constantly remember there's there's plans in the book for believers, right? There's plans in the book for you. And we don't want to just become complacent. We want to know there's plans, there's plans. I'm going to show you how we, how we find that. Now, I'm going to read out of the Amplified, and every now and then when I read out of the Amplified, I like to say this. The Amplified Bible is a translation. It is not a paraphrase. It's a translation. But they change the rules. If The translation you love, the translation you read, most probably uh, is, is like this. They, the scholars said we're only going to use one English word per Greek word, New Testament, or one English word per Hebrew word, Old Testament, and that's the rules. Well, the Amplified scholars that were going to write to Amplified, they said that's cool, but some Hebrew words and some Greek words paint pictures, and they're very expressive, and one English word cannot give it what it needs. So they translated the Bible, but they added and they amplified and they painted some pictures that are in the original language. So uh, listen to Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, uh, recreated in Christ Jesus, born again that we may. Now, this first part, what I just read, is just talking about you and I accepting Christ. And until you accept Christ, you can't fulfill what's in that book. So once you accept him, then you can go on and fulfill what's in the book. And, and, and so he goes on to say that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. That's what it means, right? For us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. I love that. He prepared them ahead of time. We're, we're to take these paths. And notice what he says, that we should walk in them, living the good life. So if you were to ask me, what's the good life? I want to tell you for sure. It's not a trouble-free life. <laughs> you live the good life, you'll still walk through valleys and you'll walk through fire. And thank God, sometimes you'll be on the hilltop. I love those times, right? The good life is just being who God created you to do. Uh, be, And that's the greatest joy. I, I, 
I have joy doing what God's created me to do. There's always obstacles, but it's just amazing. The greatest fulfillment comes when you're doing the assignments that God created you to do. And you can ask a lot of our dream teamers. They will tell you that that's true. But God has something for all of us to do, and it expands that just self-desire. And it's just the most amazing thing. And it goes on to say, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, knowing this makes me walk, wake up every morning and just makes me know I have a purpose. God has a plan for my life. You say, well, you're Pastor Joe. No, no, you have a purpose, and God has a plan for your life too. And that makes you significant, guys. You are very significant because God created you with a purpose. And some of you are listening. You're saying, yeah, but I was born on the other side of the tracks. That's a term we used when I was a kid. You know, in other words, I was born into adverse circumstances. And you know what I want to say to you? Listen very carefully, you that feel like I was born into adverse circumstances. I think God writes greater things in your book for you to do. I really do. And I believe he wants to just say to the world, hey, you think you have this person pegged, but I gave them some assignments, and I gave them some purpose, and I gave them a life that's bigger than you think you have. And don't allow this world to tell you what you have. But it's written in the book. So you know how the Bible says when we go to heaven, Jesus will wipe away every tear. Here's the tears. Some of the tears are because people die martyrs. I'd have tears after that. Um, I always tell God, I don't want martyr rewards. I'm okay. Just keep them yourself. Um, I don't need them. Right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, some of the tears will be people that die horrific deaths. Like It's so sad to watch someone suffer from disease. That's so sad. And they get over there, and Jesus wipes their tears away. Some of, some of the tears will be when you go to heaven and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he'll take out your book, and he'll compare what you did compared to what he wrote in the book. And you go to heaven, right? But some of us are going to cry, not because God's scolding us. We're going to cry when we see what God created us to be and how we didn't have confidence to find that out, and, and we never became everything God created us to be. And I think there'll be some tears like, man, I wish I would have listened to Pastor Joe's sermon on Memorial Day weekend and taken my hands off the wheel, right? So you're just going to remember. He's going to say, nah, you were there. You were there, man. Okay. So let's talk about the two things, right? You ready? Ready? We, we must make a decision. This is the first thing we, we have to do. We must make a decision to lose ourselves. Everything begins with a decision, everything. And again, many of us do this. We have to keep doing it, right? We have to make that decision. So I think about Jesus. Jesus is God the Son. He's always existed. He's as much God as the Father, but he submitted himself to the Father's will. He willingly said, I'm going to submit to the Father's will. So they're both God. They're 100% God, you know, three persons, one God. And I love what he said here, John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, the Father. And here's what I want to say. If it was good enough for Jesus to take his hands off the will, you and I should take our hands off the will. If Jesus did, right? Why not? And guys, God's not going to send you to cross to die, so go, thank God. That was, that was his plan for Jesus, right? But here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. You ready? It goes like this. We must pray a prayer of surrender. And I pray these all the time. 
And it's just, all right, I take my hands off. I want to know what's in that book. I take my hands off. And one of the coolest places where we can see that prayer is in the Lord's Prayer. And somewhere down the road, I think it's maybe in July, I'm going to teach one, one weekend on the Lord's Prayer. I can't wait. I can't wait. But, but let's look at just the part we're interested in. Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Really cool. Verse 10, your kingdom come. Really cool. We, we should pray. We'll talk about what that is later in another lesson. Here's what we want. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice how Jesus said what we just went through, the one thing we have to know. God's will's already been determined in heaven. So all we want to know is, what's your will for my life? So when I pray, I pray to our Father every morning, and I'll, sometimes I'll pray it a couple times during the day too, but I don't just pray it like rote. I mean, I, I take some time with it. And when I come here, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes I pray this globally, so you know how Israel and Palestine had all that going on? So I would pray like this, because I'm never sure what the total will of God is. I know what some things would be his will. But I say, Father, your will be done in Israel as it's written in heaven. Because we're in those last days, and I have no idea which way we're going, you know. And so your will be done. And then I pray, Father, your will be done on earth for Palestine as it is in heaven. I pray that way for our government. Father, your will be done in this country, uh, on this earth, in our nation, as it is in heaven. That's globally. We're not talking about that today. But I also pray it for people. I pray it for you all the time. And it works much better, though, if you agree with me and start praying it yourself, right? Um, it really works better. And, and, uh, but I pray it for me. And I'll say, Father, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Whatever you wrote in that book, whatever I'm supposed to be doing at this time in my life, drop it in me. Make it a desire. Make it a longing that I, I can't go on without doing it. And that's what God does. That's how we lose ourselves. If you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. That's, that's all you do. You just say, hands off. God, whatever's in that book, put it in my heart. I want to know it. And Philippians does a great job showing us how this works. Here's what God can do. Philippians 2.13. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God's still working inside me. But he does a better job when you start to cry out for him to do it, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing. And here's what he does. And created in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. And here's what I noticed about God when I take my hands off the wheel. If he wants me to do something, it nags me. It's like a hound dog chasing, you know, a raccoon or something. Uh, it just doesn't let me go. And it becomes bigger and bigger. It's, it's a desire, but then it's a longing. And I just have to do it. There's nothing else I can do to be happy. And that's what God will do in each and every one of us. That's how we lose our life. And then that's how God takes what's in the book and puts it in us. And if, if you're letting go of the will and God's not adding anything new, that means you're right where you need to be. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. And, and, and yet I think at every stage of our life, he's gonna drop new things in us. So I wanna say to the young people, those of you, you know, you're gonna go to college, you're gonna decide your career. What you wanna do may be exactly what God wants you to do. It may be exactly that. But don't be afraid to take your hands off the will and just, you know, let's find out because maybe there's something he wants to add to it, or maybe there's something he wants you to do when you go to college. Maybe there's a specific college he wants you to go to. I don't know. But for all of us, it's like, let's take our hands off the wheel. So I want to ask a question. TCI, guys, listen, TCI, 
Before I ask the question, God has plans for every one of you at TCI. And he has plans for right where you're at. And you just take those hands off the wheel. And many of you are already doing that. And God has some amazing plans for you. And he has plans for every one of us in this place. So everybody listen to TCI online, Boardman here in Warren. I don't know about you, but are you excited God cares so much about you? He wrote a book. He has holy plans for you. Can we just say thank you, God, for a moment, man? That, that is amazing. That's amazing. So now we need to pray. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I did my best on this part of the Bible to teach it, and I know I've taught it before, Lord, and I know we learn in layers, we see in layers, so open up our spiritual eyes. Father, for those that are in here that are ready to shift to another maybe location, another phase of their life, Lord, I thank you as they continue to take their hands off the wheel. You're going to give them new vision and new purpose. And I just thank you, Lord, that the book never runs out. You're never surprised. You're never looking for things for us to do. You have it planned. We thank you for that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, men. Maybe some of you, as you're listening, this is a God moment that will never change. I mean, it will, it will bless you forever. You'll, you'll, you'll never regret it. And maybe this is the God moment where you say, God, I'm just going to take my hands off the wheel. And I want to encourage you to do that right now. God, I trust you. I trust the plan for my life. You won't send me to the jungles. You won't give me assignments that I hate, but they will bring me incredible joy and pleasure because that's what you created me to do before I was born. I just want to encourage people to let go. Those of you that have been all about self-fulfillment, I, 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 just, I just want to live my best life, and I want to just be the best version of me, and, and you've not considered what God might want to add or he might want to shift. I encourage you to take your hands off the wheel. You're going to have more joy. You're going to save your life. That means your life is going to have impact and significance like it's never had before. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're, we're in prayer. Maybe someone's listening online, TCI here in Warren and Borman. You're not sure of your eternity. Listen very carefully as we stay in the attitude of prayer. I'm not asking you if you you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm asking you a big question. The biggest question and most important question on planet earth, what have you done with Jesus? You, you can know about him and not have opened your heart up to him. Have you opened your heart up to him? Have you accepted him as your savior? It's a big life-changing deal. And that's when you then can begin to have that book come into your life. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not asking you if you believed in God when you walked in. I'm asking you, is God touching your heart right now? Because he does that. And if you're listening and you say, I can't remember a day when I accepted Christ. The good news is he died for your sins, the sins of the whole world. God raised him up from the grave. He's alive, and he said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. He said, you can't get to heaven, go to heaven by works. He said, you just have to believe in me. And if you're listening, you say, I'm ready to do that. Would you pray with us right now? Would you pray with us? 
and the rest of us, can we help them pray? I, I know the majority of us have prayed, but let's just help them. Let's let them hear us pray as they pray. And if you're praying this for the first time, pray it from your heart. And, and just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. God raised you up out of that grave and you're the Savior. I accept you as my Savior and I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.